0: makes America the greatest country in the world. Soldiers, sailors, marines, airmen. stood up for what was right. First step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. It's time we started talking. Dream isn't something we talk about. All we can ever do for our heroes is remember them and they gave up two lives. The one they were living
1: and the one they would have lived. They gave up everything for our country. For us, let's pray for freedom and justice. Only be a war if soldiers are willing to fight.
0: Less than 1% of Americans serving in uniform. Some veterans not
1: getting the timely care that they need. The good news is, is that in recent years we've made historic investments to boost the VA budget. What is it? Why should we care?
0: We should care about press freedom because Because we were informed.
1: In democratic societies, free, diverse, and pluralist media
0: enable public debates and are essential checks. We don't look sad. Let's discuss. Oh.
1: Hi guys, Hey, Hi. welcome to vet vet podcast, um, our new episode is about caregiver program, um, one of uh, those handy uh, tools that you actually need to have in your toolbox and that might be h- helpful to you if it actually applies to you. Definitely. Yeah, so if it's your first time listening, then thanks for coming uh, and uh, please enjoy and use this information yeah. to your own benefit. So um, today we are talking about uh, caregiver program which is uh, officially called primary family caregiver and it's a stipend that you get um, or monetary compensations that you get get on a monthly basis and it's paid not directly to you as a veteran but to your uh, sometimes next of kin or somebody who is taking care of you so like Legal term would be primary family caregiver, but it doesn't mean that he got to be from the family right so and that person would be providing you personal care services if you are eligible and uh, if you are enrolled in that caregiver program and uh, please understand that the stipend benefit is not intended to replace caregiver earnings and receipt of the stipend payments does not create an employment relationship in between VA and the primary Family caregiver. So that's a short introduction and um, let's get it started. Yeah.
0: So one of the less known benefits with the VA is um, the caregiver program. Many veterans are so disabled that they cannot go to work or even take care of themselves, so they need someone to take care of them on a regular basis. In many circumstances, this usually falls on the spouse or the family member elected to provide that care to the veteran in order that the veteran might have uh, some comfort of being at home surrounded by the loved ones that they care for. Caregiving can can be a full-time job and if a spouse or family member is taking care of a veteran on a full-time basis, they find it difficult to work. So the VA has attempted to support that caregiver by establishing the caregiver program which compensates and provides benefits to that primary caregiver. The VA also provides training for that primary caregiver Primary caregivers so that the veteran might receive the best home care possible.
1: Yeah, and um, as always, uh, we uh, we're gonna give you enough information to be able to navigate through the system. But if you wanna go wanna go in depth, we'll uh, give you um, those instructions or uh, acts that that program relies on. So the first one would be. Um, the pro, like, uh, Comprehensive Assistance for Family Caregiver Act, that was established in PL uh, 111-163. And uh, the other document would be Caregivers and Veterans Omnibus Health Service Act of 2010. So those would be two documents that you can actually rely and go in depth uh, and look at some fancy terms. So can all caregivers receive the stipend?
0: No, um, only the designated primary family caregiver of an eligible vet is entitled to receive the stipend. There could only be one primary caregiver at a designated time, but you could have backups just in case.
1: Yeah. So what caregiver programs and services is my family eligible uh, through VA?
0: Um, The VA recognizes the work of family caregivers who care for those who have borne the, borne the battle from all eras. Several support and services including but not limiting to the caregiver uh, consolation, education and training, home and community-based health care for the veteran and uh, uh, respite for the caregiver are all available from the VA under the Caregiver and Veterans Omnius uh, Health Care Services Act of 2010 additional VA services are available to seriously injured post 9-11 veterans and their family through the caregiver uh, program the comprehensive assistance for family caregivers
1: yeah um so once again some general information so let's check if uh, you're actually eligible so what kind of uh, steps or what kind of things you need to have in your file or in your pockets in order to be eligible as a veteran
0: One of the biggest ones is the Veteran needs to incur or or aggravate or have an aggravated or serious injury including TBI, mental health issues, or psychological trauma, in the line of duty or on or after September 11, 2001. Because of the qualifying seriousness of the injury, the Veteran requires another person or a caregiver to assist the Veteran with the management of personal care functions required in everyday living. Um, three, the serious injury renders the veteran in need of personal care services for a minimum of six continuous months based on a clinical determination that takes into account various factors. Four, it is the, it's in the best interest of the veteran to participate in the caregiver support program. Five, the veteran will receive ongoing care from a patient-aligned care team or called PAC team or other VA healthcare teams as required for the participation of the program. Six, the veteran agrees to receive ongoing care at home after the VA designates a family caregiver and seven personal care services that would be provided by the caregiver will not simultaneously be provided through another individual or or entity.
1: So, well, Joseph, the way I understand it, so pretty much, uh, if I'm a veteran and I'm suffering, I cannot care for myself, and I've been suffering for six months, uh, uh, looks like I can be eligible.
0: Yes, you definitely have that shot, especially if you're after September 11,
1: 2001. Cool. And um, so um, also keep in mind, but I guess since you served, um, you know that somebody who is, uh, can be in charge of you, your body, body gets to be at least like 18 years old, so the same applies to a caregiver. Um, so, who can be a caregiver? He can be, a, uh, or she can be your spouse or your husband, it can be son, daughter, parent, step, family member, or extended family member. Or, it goes outside the family, someone who lives with a veteran full-time. So, let's say you are living with uh, uh, your best friend. So, guess what? He can be a caregiver because he lives with you even though he's not related to you by blood. And um, number three. So, prior to approval, the caregiver will be provided with training and must be able to demonstrate the ability to assist the veteran with personal care functions required in everyday living. So, pretty much you got to go through some... uh, technical uh, training uh, which is done online, but we'll get to that. And, uh, of course, why should I do it? Uh, Besides that I'm suffering, because uh, uh, that caregiver who actually puts uh, time and effort, and they do a lot, definitely he's liking his job. And uh, most likely he's not making uh, uh, enough money to actually make his uh, ends meet. And most likely, especially like in high uh, expensive areas like California, he can be actually losing twice as much as he would give, get from like caregiver program. So it's uh, uh, actually an amazing, you know, kind of uh, act of kindness that, uh, um, that person does. Definitely. So and about the money. So will the, my stipend be taxable income?
0: No. So... The stipend is a VA enhanced service and is not considered taxable income. And so that helps out the caregiver a little bit too.
1: Yeah, so like pretty much so he will he will be getting money at the end of the month, at the end of the year. Uh his uh um tax declaration wouldn't reflect um those monies that he got from VA. So he might be eligible for lesser bracket to pay in taxes. Yeah. So, and uh, who determines the number of hours of personal care services
0: that the veteran requires? Um, One, it will be the Veteran-Patient-Aligned Care Team or the PAC Team at your assigned VA medical center. They'll make a determination after evaluation that the veteran and your disabilities. The PAC Team also provides a clinical evaluation of the veteran's level of dependency based on the degree of which the eligible veteran is unable to perform perform one or more activities of daily living, or the degree to which that veteran is in need of supervision or protection based on symptoms or residuals of neurological or other impairment or injury. As a result of the clinical evaluation and score, the eligible veteran will be rated as follows. The high tier equates to a maximum of 40 hours of care per week or a full-time job for helping that veteran out. The min- minimum tier equates to about 25 hours a week or a part-time job, and the lower tier tier equates to about 10 hours of care per week.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, sometimes here it can be a little bit unjust because um, uh, in some areas, especially like here in uh, California and LA, people would work probably like 60-70 hours a week. So uh, your caregiver, he still would be working. and. Uh, let's say, if he's working and caring for you for 40 hours, but somehow uh, you didn't uh, score high enough at VA, so you might be eligible for less than 40 hours, but he would still be putting 40 hours. So it's your best interest to understand, actually, how to align those two.
0: Yeah, because it, it, you know how it is. It's hard to just to understand what a person's going through. And because these pack teams are filled with a lot of people, Sometimes it gets hard to understand. They might miss a few things and not get the severity of your issues.
1: Yeah, and uh, uh, it also depends on the area where you live in. So, mm-hmm. um, right here, right now on the uh, on the screen, you can see uh web links that you can click, which actually uh, sends you to special compensation for assistance with active activities of daily living uh, page, which we Calculate exact amount of uh, money you would get for your zip code Well, and uh, of course sometimes the thing works, sometimes not <laughs> Unfortunately. so uh, So what kind of benefits and uh, uh, What kind of benefits caregiver gets besides money?
0: Yeah, so besides the money There's travel expenses including lodging and per diem when you're when the vet has to travel for medical care there's access to health care for insurance through Chant VA if the caregiver is not already entitled to care services under health care. So that helps out. Um, mental health services for for and counseling for the caregiver in case they need a break. Comprehensive uh, VA caregiver training provided by Easter Seals. And respite care not less than 30 days per year if that caregiver needs a little bit, bit of a break.
1: Yeah, um... What is their care actually?
0: What is that? Like say like they need a little bit of break because they're focused on this vet, especially if you're at the 40, uh, 40 hours a week. And so sometimes it becomes hard and every once in a while you need to take a little break or a little vacation to get readjusting and recharge your batteries. and so this kind of helps out with that. And so what they'll do is it's, if you have a secondary caregiver, that the primary could go on vacation or take a little break or do what they got to do for their own family and a different caregiver will come and take care of you.
1: There you go. And um there's a little case It's is Champier uh so as um probably most of you know so it's uh, uh more likely um uh, a family um family related program so that your spouse or somebody in your family would get. But the case is is when uh you live with uh somebody who is not your family. So he's not eligible to have any other insurance except CHAMP VA. But if it's a family member, well, correct me if I'm wrong, I might be wrong. So uh, your family member can have other insurance.
0: From what I believe, yeah, no, I yes, guess. Yes, yes.
1: Yeah. But uh, when it's not somebody who is not blood related, let's say your roommate who is taking care of, you, he is not eligible. He cannot have any other insurance because otherwise will, you will know, be cut. Yeah, I'm
0: pretty sure that's correct.
1: Yeah, so who is that guy, Chief Business Office Purchase Care? What is the role of...
0: Um, the VA Chief Business Office Purchase Care, located in Denver, Colorado, performs administrative processing for the stipend payments using the PAC Determination Tier level and the Veterans Geographic location. They uh, makes recurring monthly payments, processes all updates related to the stipend, and also administrates CHAP VA benefits for eligible caregivers with no other health care insurance.
1: Yeah, so that's pretty much an administrative uh, government, administrative body, who actually in, is in charge of the program. So, the um, yeah, they run the show, yeah. Yeah. if I can say that. So, how will my stipend amount be determined? Uh, uh, Well, we'll give you uh, how it's actually calculated uh, so you can understand it, but don't forget you can always refer to the web link and just plug in numbers and uh, that's it. But for your understanding, you might be interested as well. So how is it? (laughs)
0: Um, The stipend amount is based on the weekly number of hours of personal care services that the eligible veteran requires during the month. It is calculated by multiplying the Bureau of Labor Statistics hourly wage for home health care aides, skill code 311011, for the geographic region in which the eligible veteran resides by the Consumer Price Index cost of living or the COLA, and then multiplying that total by the number of weekly hours of caregiver assistance required assigned to tier level of hours. This product. Uh, this product is then multiplied by the average number of weeks in each month.
1: Well will give you an example. So,
0: so uh, for an example, the veteran requires 10 hours of personal care services weekly in Tier 1, and the caregiver's hourly wage, including COLA, is about $10 an hour. Then the monthly stipend would be 10 times 10 times 4.35, which would equal $435. Yeah.
1: Uh, as always, you can always plug those numbers yeah uh, and uh get um amount of like uh, exact amount of money that you would be getting but probably to have an idea maybe for expensive areas maybe like new york uh california that would be like high tier maybe like three thousand. uh
0: yeah the for california it's like a little about a little over 2700 okay there you
1: go and uh probably like for i don't know missouri uh uh, Nebraska. Alabama, Nebraska, <laughs> yeah. so that would be uh, a yeah. little bit less yeah. based on zip code because, you know, it's not always the same amount of money that you need to live in this or that area. Probably much less if you would live somewhere, in, a, I don't know, on the island. <laughs> uh, so how often will a caregiver would receive a stipend?
0: Or payment? Um, they get paid um, monthly for the personal care services that the primary caregiver provided in that prior month. Once an application is approved the stipend will be retroactive to the date of the application that it was received, But usually on the first of the month.
1: So, uh, let's say I filed on a January 1st, a caregiver filed for on to, uh, January 1st 2015. Uh, he got, a, he got approved uh, for this program on uh, September 1st, uh, uh, 2015, which is nine months from January 1st. Um, so when, when he's going to be paid, if he's got approved on the 1st or like the 2nd September.
0: If he got approved like on the 2nd of September, something like that, usually they don't... That's a little different. They usually don't give you the back pay like they do on a disability compensation claim so usually when you'll see the back pay on the fir- or the back pay and your pay on the first at the same time so usually caregivers are getting paid all at the same time on the first so there's not like with disability benefits you usually get your back pay however long you're waiting on and then on the first you get your disability amount and what it appears with the caregivers is that when they get any kind of back pay it happens on the first along with their check yeah
1: so pretty much you'll get uh, uh money for nine months And Mm -hmm. then uh, for the month of September, you'll get on uh, October 1st or September 31st. Depends on your bank. Yeah. Uh, How do I get more information if I uh, just want to go deeper deeper besides those eggs that you mentioned?
0: Yeah. Um, One, you could definitely check out the website. www.caregiver.va.gov. Or you could even give them a call. There's a national caregiver support line. And that's um, 1-855-260-3274, and it's staffed by professionals who answer questions, listen to your concerns, and assist you to connect with the caregiver support coordinator where you live. And they're um, they're up and running from 8 to 8, Monday to Friday.
1: So once I got pretty much... Uh, information and understanding uh, in general, what it is so what should I do like what would be my uh, first step for application what what, what, what I have to do?
0: Definitely like anything else in life you want to educate yourself so make sure you if you get that chance check out the Omnius Health Services Act of 2010 enacted in May 5th 2010 the Caregiver and Veteran Omnius uh, Health Services Act Public law number 111-163 provides additional support to eligible post uh, post September 11, 2001 veterans and service members who elect to receive their care in a home setting from a family caregiver. So, definitely understand what you're getting into and why this is here in the first place. Then you should probably check into the CHAMP VA, the Caregiver Program handbook, and the National Caregiver Training Program. Uh, caregiver workbook so you have an idea of what what is expected of a caregiver the family and medical leave act the FMLA is a good thing to understand too and the caregiver eligibility check you can check out on the VA's website www.va.gov slash health eligibility slash caregiver
1: um yeah um those uh um Uh, acts or workbooks uh, might be kind of handy.
0: Yeah, Um, so so you understand what's going on before you just jump into it?
1: Yeah. Of course, you can always follow that, like, our step-by-step approach, but I guess if you want to be in control, so at least understand what's going on or try to understand. Yeah. Because it's not evident sometimes. So, how do I... um, Apply what? What kind of what's the application process after I got into those documents?
0: Yeah, so once you start figuring out that yeah, I want to jump on this, the VA form you're looking for is 10-10 CG or 10-10 Caregiver, and you can find that at at the www.caregiver.va.gov. This application enables the veteran to designate a one primary family caregiver and up to two secondary family caregivers. Caregiver support coordinators are available at every VA medical center to assist veterans and their caregivers with the application process. Additional application assistance can be provided at 1-877-222-VETS or 1-877-222-8387. If the veteran is not currently enrolled in VA healthcare, both the VA Form 1010-EZ to sign up for healthcare and the caregiver program, the VA Form 1010-CG, will need to be completed. The application must be completed and signed by both the veteran and the legal representative and the the primary caregiver. The application can be hand-carried to a caregiver support coordinator at the local VA's medical center for walk-in processing, or it may be mailed to the Family Caregivers Program, health, Health Eligibility Center, 2957 Claremont Road Northeast, suite 200
1: atlanta georgia 30329 yep so pretty much uh, reach out to your local caregiver support coordinator and ask him uh, uh, to request um, assessment or reassessment uh, of your case based on your uh, symptoms that you have might be PTSD depression or whatever you have and uh, see if you're eligible Uh, and um, yeah. So um, step three, uh, let's say you educated yourself, you looked up uh, that form, you filled it up. Uh, guess what? You get in a phone call, first one. So um, pretty much it's going to be a short uh, call assessment, uh, most likely like introduction, uh, not to a veteran but to the caregiver. And they would ask basic questions like he applied or like what he's trying to do. And um, from that call, uh, which is kind of short, like since it's the first call, they would schedule an interview so he can come in. And uh, it's going to be an assessment of a veteran. So the caregiver would bring a veteran to uh, probably nearest VA facility. And... um, a doctor, like uh, to whatever your uh, actually whatever you're referring to as your uh, disability or whatever you're referring to to what you are not able to perform. Uh, so that would be so that would be assessed. So if it's PTSD, then I guess psychiatrists or psychology, probably psychiatrists would look up at your file. If it's something else, probably the other doctor would uh, look up in your file, and you'll get you'll you'll go through assessment. So he would uh, um, put you through the bunch of uh, um, through a checklist, through a bunch of questions that you have to answer, and that's how he makes an assessment. But we'll get to that. So uh, let's say if it's PTSDs and psychologists, he'll talk about criteria for your eligibility, and he'll go through. Um, different uh, bullet points uh, that actually in that checklist and uh, in general that would be maybe 26-30 points and depends on how high you score uh, that how high you'll be getting uh, in your tiers so be much if you didn't score much you'll go to tier 1 a little bit more probably like 15 to 20 maybe tier two uh, if you score like 26 out of 28 possible points uh, you'll get in tier three and um, understand that you'll be working most of the time with a caregiver support coordinator or most likely as a registered nurse she would be your probably primary contact but she doesn't put you in the tier he just checks on you, but that's the job of a psychiatrist so, or, or a doctor. First of all, to put you in a tier. So, so what happens uh, after um, like psychologist or a doctor um, assess you? Where does your file go?
0: I'll go back to the the, um, yeah. the pack team to figure out what tier you fall under. And once they figure out what tier that you fall under they'll give you and the caregiver a call and it's usually both on the same phone at the same time to talk about what happened with all with their discovery
1: yeah and um uh, let's um focus a little bit on those uh bullet points that actually they uh, go through to assess your you know
0: uh, yeah. Uh, 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 yeah your index yeah and so The way they're assessing you and getting those points to get to those tiers is called the CATS Index of Independence and Activities of Daily Living. The CATS Index of Independence and Activities of Daily Living is commonly referred to as the CATS ADLs. It is the most appropriate instrument to assess the functional status as a measurement of the client's ability to perform activities of daily living independently. Clinicians typically use the tool to detect problems in performing activities of daily living and to plan care accordingly. The index ranks uh, uh, adequacy, uh, performance, and the six functions of bathing, dressing, toileting, transferring, uh, continence, and feeding. Clients are scored as a yes or no for independence in each of these six functions. A score of six indicates full function, four indicates moderate, and two or less indicates a severe function or impairment.
1: Yeah. If you plug in CATS index uh, of ADR, ADL into Google, you will get that list of uh, points straight away. So you would know like what kind of questions you, you'll be asked. So uh, once you go through those steps, um, you'll get an, um, like your nurse or your caregiver coordinator would ask. Most likely uh, would verify your address, looking at your ID and uh, address of your caregiver. And uh, generally, it's good if it matches.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you definitely want to give them support documents to help back yourself up.
1: Yeah. So, uh, which uh, moves us to the second step. And uh, that would be a caregiver assessment part one.
0: Here they're checking uh, symptoms of stress. Are you experiencing any of these symptoms of stress and then check all that apply to you so they want to make sure that that the caregiver that's dealing with that veteran could actually do that job the caregiver uh, support coordinator will complete a primary family caregiver assessment to review the caregiving roles and responsibilities as well as assess the caregiver's ability to provide personal care services or supervision or protection a release of information will be required so they really want to make sure that the veteran is not scaring the caregiver or that the veteran is in some violent or anything like that with like family members or anything. So that caregiver has to be able to take care of that veteran.
1: Well, the way I understand it. So it happens internally at VA, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you don't have to do anything, but you got to understand that. So what's going on yeah. at this point? So, and uh, well, next, uh, most likely a caregiver, um... Uh, would receive an email that he has to complete uh, uh, caregiver training services and uh, those that training is provided by by Easter SEALS military and pretty much you'll get a, a web link with a password and login to login onto Easter SEALS uh, website and uh, that's um, what caregiver has to do in order to be qualified for uh, taking care of, uh, of a veteran so uh, yeah training online also uh, you'll get a DVD and sales book study um, probably like for DVD something like that but maybe a little bit easier maybe too, a little bit complicated but that's one of the steps that you have to do so and once you, uh, con- uh, once you, once once caregiver completes his uh, this training, he'll get a certificate, and that certificate is mailed, or like in digital world, just emailed to uh, VA saying that okay, that guy had passed. Yeah. So what would be
0: next? And then after that, you'll have your home visit. The in-home visit. Once the primary family caregiver has completed the training, and a VA a clinician will come. And conduct a home visit to check on how the veterans living and how the caregiver is actually helping this person out and the main thing of this visit is to make sure that the caregiver and the veteran have everything they need to be safe and successful in the home setting so they're not judging you about what's in your closet or how your bedroom looks or anything like that they just want to make sure that you're living in a safe environment and that caregiver can, can take care of you
1: yeah and um it's uh, most likely it's going to be a nurse uh, who is in charge of you, or one of uh, the support, one of the nurses who works with your uh, caregiver support coordinator, and uh, she is uh, in ge- like in general, that's like really like caring and loving person who would come and see like if you are uh, uh, like if uh, your back hurts, like you can't. Uh, sometimes stand for one period of time or sometimes with your backlogs they would give you a chair or a handlebar they would uh check uh, uh your uh environment so you won't have uh, like a bunch of leg on on the floor so you would be like uh, tripping and falling hmm. so yeah that's pretty much uh what she you does her job to verify that uh you know everything is uh adequate Uh, for your, you know, safe and, uh, uh, you know, safe and uh, beneficial environment for rehabilitation. Maybe for rehabilitation at least where you can stay and, uh, you know, live somehow.
0: Yeah, at least you're still at home.
1: Yeah. So, uh, also, like, since we went through that, Checklist of uh, CATS ADL activities. Uh, we'll give you uh, um, a list of uh, activities that is not eligible, but let's go through uh, those that I uh, actually consider to be eligible for the
0: program. Yeah. So the first one would be eating. So you're talking about feeding, giving medicine, pills, or injections, grooming, bathing, showering. Um, dressing, getting dressed, helping, you know, to get your shoes on, your clothes on, things like that. Toileting, getting to and from the toilet. Assistive devices like a cane. Mobility like getting in and out of bed or chairs. Uh, transferring and safety and supervision, so helping to remember important dates, supervising appointments. Helping manage finances. Coordinating medical care and rehab services. Advocating for the veteran, with care providers, government agencies, and difficulty with um, recent memory issues. So,
1: what kind of activities are not eligible?
0: Yeah, so, uh, so things that the caregiver might be doing for you, but just doesn't count towards points or towards any tier system. It would be housekeeping, like vacuuming, things like that. Cooking, the actual preparation of meals. Not actually helping that veteran eat but the preparation of it. Laundry and transportation and grocery shopping.
1: Yeah. Which actually doesn't make too much sense because those things definitely uh got to be done or not got to be done most likely gonna be done by caregiver. Right. Uh the only thing caveat for transportation so uh you're still eligible when you need to go to the VA appointment so your okay, if you can drive you. Yeah. yeah. But if you got to go um,
0: to the movies to the or the something, movies, yeah. too bad.
1: Yeah. Which point that when you got to work. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, which gets us to the other step. So, what would be like phone call assessment part two? What we call it, of course, not an official uh, yeah. VA term.
0: For applicants that become approved for the program, it's important to note that the evaluations for eligibility are ongoing. Initial eligibility in the program is not to be construed as permanent eligibility. Our goals are to support the caregiver and the veteran's process of recovery and rehabilitation. Whenever that potential exists, for the veteran to be able to remain in the home during this process, and for the veteran to function as independently as possible Determination regarding the level of care required also may change as the veteran progresses in their recovery and rehabilitation. So So don't lean on this to be there forever like your disability, but there is the potential that you can get and get a little bit out of this program for your needs if they're there. But just don't think that it's going to be there forever.
1: Yeah, once you get done with this step, finally you'll, you'll receive a final uh, packet is all the paperwork, and uh, what what would I find in that
0: paper? Yeah, so like, once you get that packet in the mail, it almost looks like the VA decision letters for a disability claim. It'll explain everything they thought about it and why they came up to these conclusions. Mm-hmm. So it'll say, you know, that this person is 18, that this person is a family member, that they've demonstrated ability to help out, mm-hmm. that that there is a need that the veteran has. Things like that. And they'll explain how the, the monthly allowance works, the stipend.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They'll talk about Chan VA in case you need it. How the travel reimbursement works and, how, and who to contact if you need that. And just in case you guys are listening, the phone number we have for around our area is 310-478- 3711, extension 42474. And they're there Monday through Friday, 8 to 4. And so that's the travel guys. Uh,
1: yeah. yeah, I would say uh, just go see them at uh, West LA. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think anything you do with the VA, go in person. You always have better better odds in the morning and going in person.
1: Yeah, it's the first floor uh, main entrance on the right. Yeah.
0: Um, again, the caregiver has respite care. They also have mental health services in case they need it or if they're just a little stressed education and training so if they need need more training or they're they feel they're lacking in one area or another the VA is there to help them help them get educated on it and they could get an ID card showing that they are who they are when it comes to being a caregiver for a vet
1: yeah and uh of course gonna get something else even though it was a final packet you'll get a confirmation packet yeah which would uh, pretty much congratulate you with uh, all uh, the steps, actually, that you accomplished in order to be qualified. And uh, it's what what important about the confirmation packet, it's finally a piece of paper that actually tells you what tier you're at and how much you get in. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so... Um, And uh, also you have the right to appeal if uh, you don't like it. Something uh, you feel that uh, has been done unjust to you. So you can appeal and there are a lot of appeals right now going on.
0: Yeah, but no matter what, you could always argue with the VA if you don't believe it's a just decision.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and uh, of course uh, you'll be checked on a... Pretty much every three months the nurse would be uh, coming to your house and, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. checking on conditions. So you'll get four visits first year. And then uh, if uh, uh, she feels uh, comfortable, I guess it's on the nurse. But most likely you'll be getting, uh, not you, like uh, a caregiver would be getting phone calls. Or do they visit after first year?
0: Yeah, they always have that option. Mm-hmm. but because right now there is a big influx on these caregiver claims because people are starting to learn about them, last time I saw that they were doing phone calls just because it's a lot easier to get to more veterans that way than it is to have a nurse driving from home to home. Yeah. So right now they're definitely doing phone calls, but they have the ability to do one or the other.
1: Yeah, especially in LA area, just imagine somebody driving like through the whole city yeah. to see you. My God, it just person get completely drained. Yeah, I no. can't do it myself, and I
0: can't imagine how many people you get to in that way.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. um, like our, as always, like at the end, uh, Joe. Do you have any like resource or like information resource or like book or movie you would like to recommend?
0: I can't remember the title of it right now, but Stephen King wrote a short story about Batman and Robin. I think it's called Batman and Robin Have an Argument but I don't think that's the proper title, but that's kind of wild. And it's kind of interesting to see Stephen King's take on a Batman story. So that was kind of neat.
1: Yeah, (laughs) from somebody who is a Batman fan. (laughs) And uh, myself, I recently uh, watched a great movie, Eye in the Sky, uh, about, um, you know, drones and uh, about one of the operations that being conducted by U.S. military and how actually the decision process goes, like... uh, because what we see in the news, or like even though it's like in, 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 while in the like military, there are so many MOSs or like specialties that sometimes you don't know what's going on unless you interact with those people. So that movie would show you actually how the decision process goes uh, uh, when uh, they identify the target, they identified uh, that somebody is. Uh, uh, is on the list of uh, the people they're looking for, or something they're looking for. Actually, how they get an approval, and how actually uh, it goes from the point that they identify the target to actually pushing the button. So yeah, so you can um, watch it. It's a recent movie, it's 2015. Uh, major character, maybe uh, maybe a person in charge, Colonel Colonel Kath. Catherine Powell, and she is in charge, He's, she's killing it, or at least he doesn't uh, uh, question herself too much. <laughs> but still, you know, it's a tough job, a tough decision you have to make, and Definitely. to fulfill your duties, so I was always uh, interested, actually, how it happens, you know. Yeah, no, that
0: sounds really wild.
1: Yeah. And... Uh, end up on the good note so what would be a call for action like quotes of words of wisdom
0: yeah so the quote we have today is battles are won by slaughter and maneuver the greater the general the more he contributes in the maneuver unless he demands in slaughter
1: yeah said by Winston Churchill and uh, that's it folks thanks for listening
0: yeah thank you hope you guys get something out of it yeah until next time over and out